Welcome to the Fitness FAQs podcast, where we use calisthenics to gain body weight strength, build muscle to look like a bodybuilder, and unlock the mobility to move freely. This podcast is a long, long time in the making. I actually haven't ever spoken to Dominic before, but if I could summarize it, I would say that he is essentially my twin who lives in Slovenia. So we're both similar age. I believe he's also 29. He's been training for a very long time as well and just super passionate, absolutely obsessed about training, but also actually teaching other people how to level up themselves. So we're going to cover a lot of topics today, but Dominic, welcome, brother. Thank you. Thank you. How should I call you? Daniel, is that? Yeah, Daniel's Daniel's fine, man. For the people that don't know you, I just want to go into your story of how essentially you started and what type of activities and how it has evolved to what it is today. Well, that's a long story, but I'm trying to make it shorter. So basically, I was always obsessed with when you're a young kid in the farm, you kind of, we didn't really grow up with, I think we had television, but mainly I was just spending time outside. I always loved climbing. I think it was my first obsession. Uh, Anything that you can do with your body, I love to do. But my first real obsession was football or European football, so soccer. I would um, go out there and juggle four hours a day just with a football. I would go out there on the field, me and my brother on a rainy day and practice my practice my kicks. Uh, so that was my first obsession for about four years. But then I wasn't really happy with the with the team. Uh, I thought uh, we could do much better. And I was really putting an effort. So uh, my mother actually told me I couldn't remember this. She told me that I just came back from the game crying and I was pissed off that nobody was uh, playing really well. So then uh, naturally, I kind of. Uh, was searching for something else. And I saw this video that my brother showed me. There was not even YouTube back in the day. I think it was like in 2005 or six. And it was this video, Brother's Journey. And it was two uh, free runners, actually two brothers uh, from the uh, from Great Britain. And they had this amazing video full of like huge backlifts. And as soon as I saw that video, I knew like this is, this is what I'm going to do for the next uh, 10 years or till I die was the the conclusion. And funny enough, my, my little brother just told me that he remembers when I was that age and I, I didn't know like how to do a backflip. I, I knew nothing. And I just saw that. And I was like, I'm going to be the best free runner in the world one day, which is a difficult task. Well, definitely. I can't consider myself to be the best, but uh, within six, seven years of filming window jumps and next level, my brother did say to me, well, man, he really actually pulled off that shit. So that was pretty cool. But the, um, yeah, as I started doing flips, I realized I got fat because I didn't do that much cardio because I dropped playing soccer. So I would do no cardio. I still train my free running. But uh, yeah, I got a little bit of a belly and uh, I was a big fan of Rocky back in the day. So I was like, I need to get in shape. So let's try doing some pull-ups and some push-ups, burpees, normal stuff and just evolved from there. Yeah. And what can I say? And I just find myself found myself one day being in the gym and I think it was like, maybe fourth hour of training. And I was like, well, shit, I'm, I'm basically more of a calisthenics athlete because I'm, like, I'm every day in the gym training four or five hours, practicing iron crosses, stuff like that. Uh, and then, yeah, in the meantime, also somewhere in there was martial arts and hand balancing and Olympic weightlifting and powerlifting and stuff like that. When did you transition from doing purely parkour to focusing predominantly on calisthenics and other strength training 
styles of fitness? Around 2012, I know I was already in, in decent shape, around 86 kgs. Maybe upper body not so muscular, lower body quite good development, but that's kind of somewhere there, somewhere from 212 to 215. I realized by the time, by the 215, I was already like mostly training uh, calisthenics. For the people that haven't seen what you've accomplished over the years, could you just give a summary of maybe your your highlights of achievements? Well, I'm still most proud of a seven meter backflip. I think that was pretty cool because that's the first thing that I really saw. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do this one day. The backflip I saw was maybe like six meters or something. But like, as I got deeper into the research, I realized the, the best there were like maybe two or three highest backflips in the world and all of them were about seven meters. So I was like, well, I guess this is doable without breaking your legs or your spine. Uh, what I naturally didn't know is I was about 20 kgs heavier than the people who attempted the seven meter backflips prior to me. There's not a lot of free runners weighing 90 kgs at the time. Um, and funny enough, I never even tried it directly from seven meters. I was just jumping into the water. So that was my preparation for it. But I did a bunch of stuff from five meters, like a gainer, handstand gainer, one of the first. Uh, but yeah, seven meter backflip was probably, I'm, I'm most proud of that. Because uh, still to this day, I'm like, was it a bit of dumb luck? Or was it actually me being fully prepared? Because I did do this once more from six meters, but you never know if something's going to snap or not. My neck did hurt for a couple of days. Iron Cross on the bridge, that one I'm really proud of because that was some suicidal shit. Uh, but it was a point <laughs> in my life where I, I kind of needed that. So that Iron Cross was pretty awesome. And I have to say the Haston on the 360 meters on the edge. Because when I think about this right now, it seems completely uh, stupid to, <laughs> to go for that. Those feats of human strength and just performance a one thing to do in a controlled environment, you're doing a, say a seven meter backflip into a foam pit would be scary for most people. Doing a, a handstand outside with just the elements would be hard for most people, let alone what you've done, which was up at height where you've really got to trust your ability. But the major takeaway I get from that is that that wasn't just something that you recklessly did. You would have trained months, months thousands and yeah. thousands of hours of, of repetition to have that confidence in your body yeah. seeing that must have been really gratifying and rewarding for you to be like if i can do this then i can channel myself into other passions right changing their main thing that they're doing like maybe they want to try something else but maybe they can't seem to transfer their knowledge to another discipline i'm not sure for me why was that easy but i think it was just because i had to do it for my young age because i when i do something i go all in so when i went into soccer it was four years non-stop i don't think about other stuff and i want to what i want to do with what i'm doing is i want to be the best in the world that's or the best i possibly can be so that's how i did it with soccer and then i had to transition to free running and then to calisthenics and then kind of to gymnastics, which was a sad realization that all professional gymnasts, the rings are 160 centimeters and about 62 kgs. That was a sad point in my life. I'm uh, six feet, same as you, and weigh currently, I would say about 88 kilograms. So that's what, uh, 195 pounds, somewhere there? Yeah, yeah, give or take. But I mean, that should be uplifting for the people that are listening, because I know there's a lot of taller athletes and heavy athletes but we've all had the same feels man it's it's a bit depressing mm. when you see just <laughs> short people and light people doing it right people like you i would trust 
to have the proper knowledge because you're a big fucking guy and you're pulling those one arm chin ups with those massive freaking quads. Like shit, that's extremely impressive. Like anybody who knows their shit knows it's just uh, much more difficult than seeing uh, 160, 60 kgs without legs holding a planche. But it's still impressive. Don't get me wrong. Like it's still impressive, beautiful to see in person. Inspiration to all of us bigger guys as well. But it's definitely mechanically so much easier. It's like people don't realize how much easier it is. Like my kind of ideology is uh, do what you like. Yeah. So if somebody is, if somebody wants to have the best planche in the world, like really perfection, then you shouldn't squat six times a week. <laughs> like at least like, cause that's literally going against your priorities. Like, uh, then on the other hand, some of us guys are like, hey, look at that skinny legs, uh, motherfucker doing that <laughs> shit easy for him. But again, like that's the sec, maybe that's a willing sacrifice that he's making that he's not training legs in order to really become the best at this. Like I'm sure Michael Jordan would do anything to become the best basketball player. It's not like, Oh, I'm not going to eat carrots because I don't like them. No, no. He's going to do anything he can to be a best basketball player. And it's funny because calisthenics as a practice in a way for me, at least now it doesn't seem like it's the best orientation because it doesn't support leg training. If I would right now go into, let's say probably a bit shorter and would say, I want to go to a world cup in, uh, in calisthenics, like shit, I'm not going to spend next six months. Like, bulking up my legs like probably gonna spend time not training them just because of what i want to do so i think it's a matter of personal preference but in each case you better do at least a little bit of lower body leg training because if you don't know how just how to go into a bodyweight squat correctly like you're you're gonna have some serious back troubles later in life today's sponsor for the show is fitness faqs Use the coupon code PODCAST10 to save 10% at checkout when shopping on fitnessfaqs.com. Enjoy the discount and let's get back to the conversation. How do you combine multiple training methods and still progress? Tough question. Uh, the main thing is I like to have kind of like my, my basic practice, which is and should be strength training. Squat, deadlift, military, overhead press, and overhead pull, basically. That's my that's my basic stuff. And with that, I would combine some horizontal pulling and pressing, some basically some rows and some push-ups just for the scapula connection's sake. And then if I want to try something else, I make sure to start one thing at a time. It's very important. So let's say you're right now, maybe right now practically standing six times a week. Awesome. You want to try some, some dancing or some break dancing or some football, whatever it is. Choose one thing at a time and go in and see how the body responds. Don't go, oh, oh I want to become more movement capable. Let's try hand balancing and we're going to try uh, some uh, some weightlifting and then we're going to try some of that as well. And oh, let me do some pole dancing as well and uh, I want to do that. Uh, that's not going to work. Well, first of all, it's also too many details for your brain to make any kind of type of uh, sustainable progress. So you want to try one thing at a time and then see how your body responds. And uh, I think that's kind of my main thing would be trying one thing at a time. So right now I'm working on, I'm working on a little bit more stuff. So I'm working on my strength training. I'm working on boxing and I'm working on BJJ. But boxing, I'm kind of in the, almost in the third phase where I'm perfecting things. So it's not that much new information. It's not like, whoa, like, like I come to the training and it's 50 new stuff. When I go to my BJJ practice, it is like that. 
I come there and it's shit, it's 50 details. It's, we're learning a new arm bar or a Kimura or something. It's different shapes. The leg has to be there, not there. I feel like my brain is really growing from doing that. And it's mentally, it's very exhausting. So at the moment, my body can handle this. I can do strength training three times a week. I can do boxing three times a week. I do some MMA as well, so I maybe train a bit too much for my own good, but that's also sacrifice I'm making. It's also a great way not to get injured because if you're doing a little bit of one thing and another, it's just like your body doesn't really adapt like the guys there. So apply one thing at a time, stick to it, maintain other things, and then work with that. And then before you would get injured, drop it, pick another thing. The simplicity of it makes sense. There's no magic secret. You've got to be doing your compounds in the vertical and horizontal plane. And I really like what you said about adding the minimum amount at a time, because I think a lot of people make the error of, oh, I'm getting good results doing this amount. I'm going to do five days a week when they've gone from one day a week. So what I take as very wise words from you is the minimum effective dose. Don't get greedy. You're not going to get injured that way. Just ride the wave of progress. And the other thing I want to add, Dom, was when people hear this podcast, they hear all this crazy training you're doing so many days a week, all these hours. Dom's in a different category to everyone else. One, he's been training for so many years. And two, this is his full-time profession and passion. And he's got very, very big aspirations. So mixed martial arts scene in the future, right? When I went deeper into mixed martial arts in general, I, I want to find some good role models. And obviously, like the first guy who came up there a couple of years ago, for which I was very grateful, was Conor McGregor. I was like, shit, man, this guy was a plumber till he was 22, like wasn't really a high level professional athlete, just put his mindset together, had some good predispositions, very long reach, uh, movement good movement IQ. So solid guy, but just decided, went into it. And I was like, oh shit, it's just like very inspiring. But what he later did, I thought was disappointing. Uh, And I knew somewhere like back in 2009, when I built my my Sky Gym, that like some of you guys know, um, that was made for fighting, was not made for uh, any type of... uh, uh, like training so I, I was good at free running I saw some back in the day Anderson Silva was an amazing mixed martial artist I think still the best in UFC so I was really inspired and I was thinking even back in the day should I completely drop free running and go all into MMA and that's also how we do things it's one or the other yeah it's not there was not an optional oh maybe I should train both at the same time no no it's one or another so that's why I built my gym I started training MMA grappling back in the day learn how to box kick and uh, I just wanted to get educated because I saw, okay, I'm getting a bit jacked. I, I know how to flip. I have no idea how to fight. I think every man should at least know how to defend himself just in case. And uh, that's when I started training as well. Other people, my brothers and people would show up. We would have street fights and stuff like that. And they rarely wanted to fight me. So sometimes I went with two guys at one time. We were going to have a sparring session. My brother and his friend, yeah, they beat the shit out of me, broke my nose almost. I did win the fight. <laughs> But um, basically, yeah, that uh, MMA was uh, started a long time ago. Then just somehow I made the wind, window jumps and just like subconsciously I went into free running. But um, I, I was built for MMA. That's what I actually realized. Sadly, at the age of 20 fucking eight, 
but I'm made, built, and bred for MMA, physically, mentally, everything. I'm, I'm, I believe I'm the most perfect specimen for MMA. I'm as gifted for MMA as Michael Jordan was for, for basketball. I seriously believe that. Whether I'm correct, that I don't know. I would, that we'll have to see. And like, I, like you, I have huge hips. Like, Daniel, you would be, if you would have smaller ass and smaller quads, man, can you imagine your level of calisthenics? Uh, sadly, you can't do anything about that, but, uh, yeah, you're not the most gifted guy for calisthenics yet we have achieved amazing success which is fantastic but i really want to be that next i really want to be the the michael jordan of the sport that's that's what i realized because i was getting paid for being a coach and i did it for i really focused that on the past four years becoming a great coach and i believe i did that but i realized i hey, shit i don't like it as much I don't like coaching as much as I like training. I would like to be paid for training. That's the one thing that I really like to do that I would do for free six hours a day for the next 50 years. Nobody paid me a cent. That's what I would do. And uh, I want to be paid for being an athlete. That's what I want to do. And then I realized, okay, what am I talented for? And funny enough, a guy on freaking Instagram wrote to me, said, do you look like Mirko Kroka? And I was like, like, shit, I do look like Mirko Krokov. That's a very famous uh, Balkan fighter, like huge legs, best high kick ever. And I was like, shit, I really I look like an MMA fighter. I was like, shit, like I look like, because all my life I wanted to, I remember when I started free running, I wanted to look like a free runner. Like you buy the same pants, you buy the same, you, you want to look, you want to be a part of the community. But kind of, I never had the exact feel like, like that I looked like a free runner. Like, you know, at least if somebody saw me outside, they'll never presume I can do a flip. Like I'm a big guy, like freaking. So I was like, I'm made for MMA and uh, hopefully it's not too late, but mentally, physically, I believe I'm absolutely ready. So if in the next five years, I don't get a freaking nasty injury or kill myself, by then uh, I will become UFC champion. Dominic, it sounds like you're cutting a promo, man. I think you're already ready for the, for the limelight. <laughs> it's great. But I couldn't agree more after seeing your stuff online for so many years, it just, it just makes sense at this age, you've got this window of opportunity where it's a little bit sad to say it, but that's life. You're not going to be a physical specimen when you're in your mid forties or fifties. So this next three to five years is, is make or break. And it's really, it's really important that you think that way. And it, it sounds like you've really channeled your energy towards what is lighting your own fire, man. That's really exciting to hear. I can't wait to see where you take it because you're going hundred percent into it. That's also one thing that I would say is um, a lot of people when they try a new discipline, they just try it. You should study it. You should study the history of it. You should study who's the first guy who has done it. And you should trace that history all the way up to you. If you truly are taking that seriously. Like when I go into, when I went to the, when, into Olympic weightlifting, yeah, I saw Dimitri Kloko first and, uh, and Lou Jajun doing the snatch, but I went back to it. I went back to uh, Piro Dimas. I watched documentaries of him. Like he was the most uh, decorated Olympic weightlifter of all times. Like I saw his training videos. I watched his biography. Then I go all into it. So then you can understand it a little bit better. And then you also have more drive to do it. Cause then you realize like those people were just people yet. They somehow, they, they, they made it happen. Dude, I think we're cut from the same cloth in that respect, because on the internet, I feel there's a lot of people that just want to learn and just read and listen and they don't, get themselves down and dirty in the trenches. Whereas I can tell from you, you would have been the same as me when you're a teenager, you were looking at people like 
you know, Paul Tal seeing them do stuff and you're like, all right, let's go. What's, what's this world like? And just spending those hours every single day, getting better, getting better. If people take some advice from this podcast, it's just doing more than consuming. Don't, don't read too much. Don't listen to too much or, or just like the, the technical aspect of things, as opposed to the person that you're trying to be or the feats of strength you're trying to get look at people that have actually done it as opposed to just talking about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The people who can't do it anymore, but they used to do it. I think those people are still worth listening to. A lot of that bullshit is right now on the Instagram as well of people who just kind of got the knowledge from somewhere and then they're, they haven't done the work and you can see it and it radiates from them. So I think, uh, I think you should definitely, when you, when you want to get advice from somebody, you should look at them. You should look at themselves, whether they're, uh, actually doing what they're preaching and you should look at their students as well i really admire you uh because of that man i have no idea where you find the drive to upload so frequently and to film that much con content for people i think it's really really nice and admirable so i had to make the decision like you've made the decision to yeah. prioritize your your performance and career into mma i just made the decision that i i want to be the best teacher i want to help the most people and sure i'm not going to be the best physically um i'm probably not gonna be the smartest at teaching stuff either because i'm still trying to have a high standard but it's having a good mix of both and dominic it's just the longevity man i just feel that i've got more years doing this stuff if i focus on the teaching and for me personally it gives me a bit more fulfillment at the end of the day you know what it's like man you still got to do the hours of training but that's what we love so no, no complaints at all oh man but i think you're still doing very good man your weight to chin-ups look fantastic yeah shit you just uh, can't seem to lose that pulling power you just, uh... <laughs> i think it comes to having to specialize a bit more you, you got to be more selective because mm. you remember what it was like man when you're doing tutorials it's tiring to film tutorials even oh. if it's like three, four, five angles of three to five reps. You add that up. Wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's a, ooh, yeah, it's a tiring game. But it's the mindset, as you said before, that you were able to transition to other things. You went from free running to uh, calisthenics to all the different martial arts, weight training. It's because you had the mindset, and I think that every person that I've spoken to, that's got to a good standard physically we all share the same trait we understand what it's like to have patience to be consistent to progressively push ourselves to to keep doing that on the days we feel good the days we feel neutral the days we feel bad so we can just apply that to everything i really feel like it's a superpower that we're role models right dominic in that sense like if you're a, if you're an athlete or a teacher We've, we've got to be those role models to, to show that. Like we had such great role models. So I remember when I was young, I think watching people like Jackie Chan and stuff like that, you get ridiculously inspired. Like that's why I think I got drawn into free running because I was like, like th these were some normal kids that were doing stuff that Jackie Chan was doing in movies or people were doing in movies. So it's like kind of like superheroes from the real world. And it's just uh, fantastic. And I like at least these days, I see that that's kind of lost, at least within the movie industry or let's say the movie business. Uh, so a lot of people will realize when they're into boxing or into anything, you have to have something afterwards. Like after my like 
professional career in MMA, like which is going to be the next 10 years, whether I win, lose or die. Uh, after that, I want to go into movie business, which is also one of the reasons why I picked being a UFC fighter, because I think if you're a UFC champion, you can make a movie if you want to. And I have a great idea for a movie, which is going to be my kind of my Rocky. And I want to like, because that's that's the main thing that I want to give back. I realized at least I think I'm good at inspiring people through creative content, which is how, why I started YouTube, which is why I despise and don't even look at my videos these days, because it's nothing creative about it. Like I'm getting people in, we get people to coach. They make great, like, and I know people get the kicks out of the videos. They get some good knowledge, but what I I'm a creative guy. Like I want to create some, some, some good stuff for the future generations. And I think if a person doesn't have that spark, you can't do shit with them. Uh, if somebody is like 15 and he's maybe he's like watching something and see somebody do a flip or see somebody does five pull-ups or a front lever, he's like, wow, that's pretty cool. And if he says that, if he's inspired by that, then you can do something with that person. Like you can do something with it. If he's not, you can't do shit with, with a person who's uninspired. You, you can't ignite the spark. It ha it ha somebody has to create that spark. And I think for us or for me personally, I was like maybe watching Goku when I was very young and watching Bruce Lee and people like that like they ignite the spark and then if you put some logs on that spark you get a fire but without that original spark it's nothing happens and I think we're kind of failing a little bit the next generation with with some quality inspirations like people I, it sounds fucked up that I want like I want to be somebody like like Muhammad Ali that's even though that's completely like that's an outrageous statement but I feel like we're missing people like that I don't know why but there's we're missing people with great character that are in very high places that have the opportunity to inspire people perhaps it's not having a clear vision of what they want to do I think a lot of people lack direction in their life but even speaking to you for half an hour Dominic it's just infectious how clear you are on what you want to do like now and also into the future. I think you combine that afterwards with other people who share a similar mindset as you. And if you have a team of like-minded people in terms of directors, videographers, they can help create your vision and bring it to light. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Why do you think people lack motivation? Oh shit. That's a tough question. <laughs> as in the question of I'm lacking motivation to work out what do I do when I don't feel like training? It's a common problem people have. I don't know how they could feel that, but let me know. Well, I always had a bit of troubles with that, especially because the more driven I am, the harder it is to answer that question. <laughs> I'm really freaking driven right now. So it's like literally impossible. Uh, for me, I wake up, I train, I, uh, I eat after that. I go and do another session, have a nap, then go and do another session like that. That's my life. I really enjoy it. <laughs> No, it's completely psychotic. It sounds psychotic to some people. But I would say if you lack motivation, probably the best thing would be to get into an environment that's more inspiring. So I would say, like, show me your three friends and uh, you're about in as good shape as they are. Yeah. So, like, anytime people would spend time with me, they would get in amazing shape. I don't know why, but it's just like, it's impossible not to just because I train twice a day. Like it's a, like, if you spend time, it's, what are you going to do? Like you have to train. So I would say get in the environment that supports what you want to do. That's the most important thing. It's very hard to lose some weight. If six 
of your best friends are overweight. It's impossible. Like it's, it takes tremendous mental character. It's very, very freaking difficult thing to do. Some people can do it, but much more difficult. You want to get things in, in your favor, which means, yeah. I agree. I think the environment is huge, both the physical environment in terms of being in a, in a gym or a park that suits the type of fitness that you're, you're going after, but also the people. What's your thoughts on training intuitively just by feel? whatever you want to do on the day versus having a strict program. I'm going to go a bit Bruce Lee on you. I think the best thing is a successful combination of both. Because uh, I tried training intuitively for many, many years. It works very nicely until suddenly shit happens. And because you've trained intuitively, you have no idea where it went wrong. Like you just, you just can't really tell. Like uh, I had many back injuries the last, last year, which was from also depends on what you're training and how much, but let's say you're really, really really training in that case uh i had a lot of back injuries just from training intuitively because on a good day that i would feel good i would just do more but then uh, when i looked at the and i still would write down what i did so then i went to my physio with some back troubles and he's like can you write down just the schedules just so i can see what, what you've been up to and then just i was like watching i was like what the fuck is it like it seems like it's <laughs> like two hours of two hours of boxing one hour of mma the next day was four hours of grappling i'm like why four like <laughs> like two hours of uh, mma next day is like two hours strength training that's pretty normal and then again it's like like three hours of sparring and maybe that would happen because one of my friends would show up and we could maybe do a little bit more work but like intuitively i really trained like an idiot like you can't train six hours one day two hours the next day then again eight the next day like it, it doesn't go hand in hand very well so I think having some sort of a schedule is absolutely necessary to see where it went wrong, to know how much volume you're doing, to even know what you're doing uh, so you can adapt, so you can improve and be better and also keep track of your progress. So I think you should always write it down. But sadly, we don't live in a perfect world. And sometimes you write shit down and you just can't deliver. So on like you have to go a bit intuitively on a training session to see, OK, maybe I can do a set more. OK, that's that's pretty good. But you write stuff down. Yeah. But you don't have a random schedule. You don't train pulling four to six times a week, like on a, and it's completely random. Depends on how you feel. I think it's important yeah. that you do write something down just so you can reflect yeah. on it and make some general progression trends upwards. And if you don't write things down, it's it's almost impossible to remember. Did I do seven reps last week? Did I do eleven? You you just you just don't know. What would you say are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people make in their training? I would say maybe too much variety or just in general doing too much. Yeah. For some reason, when they get somebody on the mentorship, they always tend to be doing too much. Yeah. The answer that I have for why I believe that's the case is because people can't believe that the basic, simple stuff works. Do you want to improve your handstand push-up? Do a handstand push-up exercise not four to five other exercises. And the reason why this happens is because it's a way we lie to ourselves that we're doing a lot of work, but it's not hard work. It's not the intensity you need. That's, that's why I see it. I see the same thing too, dude. People doing too much, but not focused work on what they want to improve. I had the best progress in, in my life in calisthenics, which just focused on, I think it was weighted pull-up at the time and the handstand push-up. 
Like, sure, I did other things. I trained the cross. I did the pike crush training and all of it. But the priority was my weighted pull-up has to go up. Like, it was as, as simple as that. So it's one priority regarding pulling, one priority regarding pressing. And I did, I stick to that for about six months. And that was probably the best thing that I've ever done. Yeah. And then you can switch a little bit and try some different stuff. But yeah, people have too many priorities. This one, I really, like, I always ask people, like, what's, what's the priority? Planch, handstand, push a pike press. Yeah, which one is it? <laughs> it's not like, yeah, pick one and then we can take it from here. Or pick one for now. Once you get that, then you can do something else as well. But yeah, probably being patient, dropping the ego out as well. Yeah, and just, I think majority of people also don't realize they're pushing too hard every single day. And they think yeah. because you are a rage in and you complete yourself like and you turn yourself in a big pile of shit afterwards like they think that's productive and i still have some friends who've been training with me and one friend he's been training with me fucking seven years eight years and still when he does like curls or something he has to feel sore for three days afterwards just to so he can have that gratified feeling okay i did something like shit like this is ridiculous so you heard it here first from dominic you do not need to train to failure nor should you train to failure if you want to get stronger and Dominic, I think that's even more important advice as you get stronger as well, because the temptation is, mm-hmm. oh, I'm not improving. I need to switch something up or variety. The yeah. best athletes, the best coaches, I hear it from yourself again today. It's just you need enough time for your body to adapt to this stimulus because the stronger you get, it's going to be even harder to adapt to that stimulus. Yeah. And you should not force that adaptation. A lot of people are forcing if the numbers are no, not going up, or maybe I should just try harder. Usually not, not the answer. Yeah. yeah. You got to, I would say, uh, take better care of your recovery. That That's what seems to be. A lot of people training hard, really like training hard, and then they're sleeping five hours a night. Like, shit, you, like, that's not the optimal thing. Like, uh, And then, yeah, I can make some certain changes in your program but if your sleep is shit like oh we can't do anything with you like sleeping five hours a night and you want to be a pro athlete you need to learn how to sleep more and that's just in all reality if you really want to be a pro athlete or if you really want to have the top results you should be like you should work like a freaking computer like wake up at the same time train at the same time eat at the same time shit at the same time Um, let have as less variables as possible like, because then you can't really tell from, oh, did I have a poor session? Because I ate that. If, if your food is a variable and your sleep is a variable, then you can't tell if the training is working. Yeah. It's also one of the reasons why it's very, why nobody really knows. Is it best to do three sets of five or four sets of five? Is it best to be pulling twice a week or maybe three times a week? Is it best a little bit more frequency, a little bit less? Or is it best to do a little bit of accessory work or no whatsoever? Like shit, we, we can't tell. Like it's like, it's all a we can tough, do is, it's a tough topic. Yeah. And the answer really is, it depends because you could have so many factors huh what have you learned over the years and what's your nutrition philosophy these days with what works for you what really made a huge difference was uh, nuts yeah i don't know i was listening to some charles polyquin and he, and i would usually start the day maybe with some like some bananas or some oatmeal what people would usually do and then uh, he was really against he said meat and nuts uh, in the morning just some good quality fat and i was like oh this sounds interesting he also said one interesting thing if you like to uh, train in the morning don't do it on an empty stomach if you like your brain and i was like okay shit this is some serious stuff there so i was like because i would always 
wake up, drink my coffee and go train empty stomach. If it's a 200 kg deadlift or a weighted pull up, doesn't matter. Uh, and I felt good doing that, I have to say. But then I started with some cashew nuts, 100 grams in the morning and uh, just uh, made a huge difference. Yeah. Also, the choice of your foods later on during the day seems to be much better if you don't freaking get that sugar intake right away in the morning. So I rely more on the quality fats these days and less on carbs. That's the main thing. So then I would maybe have some carbs or some oatmeal or something that later during the day not in the morning so that was a big switch that i made but the main thing that i would say is uh drink water don't drink some freaking sweet bullshit and fuck up your insulin sensitivity um and try to mix foods as less as possible that's really i think that was really really big mixing like fats with with sugar and stuff like that and all of like just uh yeah i think mixing stuff is probably the worst thing i still don't measure it i don't weigh stuff in i don't feel the need to do that but uh, yeah what's your view on supplements do you think they're important what do you take but no not, not any supplements i actually made the decision back in the day because i think people are just a uh, way too obsessed about supplements and i just never felt the difference to be completely honest i tried some proteins back in well, was 2010 and i bought the shittiest taste possible strawberry and i actually puked afterwards because i just mixed it with water and i was like this some and i i remember i would do a training session they'll mix my strawberry shake and that was the hard part of the training session was drinking that <laughs> it's like you're thinking to yourself is this what it takes to be the best i don't know if i could do this <laughs> I think it's more psychological than anything else. That's what I was just going to say too. If it's an over-the-counter supplement, the benefit, because it's been approved and stuff like that, it's probably not going to give you some massive advantage. But like you just said, Dominic, it's probably placebo. But if we can create placebo in our own mind, just by thinking we're an absolute savage, we can do anything we want, that's probably more powerful. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. totally agree on that. A lot of people see what you do with your leg raises, some dragon flag stuff you've done over the years, just absolutely nuts. What would you recommend for people in terms of core training? Because some people say you don't need to train your abs. It's a waste of time. Just do compounds. Other people say it's very important for getting X benefit. What do you think? Hmm. That's a very interesting question. I would definitely say it's core training is important but depends on what we mean when we say core core training. So if the one side is just the core flexion, another thing can be maintaining posterior pelvic tilt in a specific gymnastic situation, holding a back lever or a front lever or something of that nature, but depends on which function are we talking about. I think the most important mission or uh, of the core is maintaining stability when you do some stuff. Like uh, in that case, I would say core training would be learning how to do a, a barbell squat correctly with maintaining proper core stability, proper anterior pelvic tilt without shifting your hips left to right, but hanging leg raise probably the best thing. If you can do three sets of five or five by five in the hanging leg raise, perfect form, you can add weights like two kgs per leg, but more than that, like you don't need more than that. So if you can do five by five of hanging leg lifts, perfect form, you have sufficient core flexion for what you need in life. But more important than having a strong flexion is uh, being able to present stability when lifting shit up because that's more important in our daily life. That's I learned that one the hard way because my ability to maintain posterior pelvic tilt is about as good as it can be. Like, it's freaking fantastic. 
But if I try to deadlift a lot of weight, my lower back will go into flexion, which my spine really fucking doesn't like. My hernia doesn't like that. So this is where my core strength or core flexion doesn't come really in handy. Because as soon as like, it gets tricky, my abs kick in. That's interesting because your answer is very specific. Core strength overall, just a decent base to support your overall training. But then it's a matter of your core being strong in the movement that you're trying to improve. So you had a world-class core for say calisthenics with a posterior pelvic tilt, could do hollow body for till the cows came home. But yeah. when you started loading a heavier movement, it's a different type of trunk stability, which yeah. comes back to what we were saying at the start of this conversation. That's something that's not gonna happen overnight. You would have, mm -hmm. I'm sure that if you spoke to your younger self, you would have said, don't go from doing this amount of weight to 30% more in such a short time. And I think that's the difference where calisthenics, like the pure calisthenics, it's a pretty safe training method. It's a lot harder to injure yourself, whereas it's probably a lot easier to overdo it with deadlifts and squats. But regarding core, yeah, really important not to just uh, have in mind that calisthenics aspect of it, the L-sit and the V-sit and stuff like that. Uh, all of this stuff, great for your calisthenics, but for your life in general, you don't need that much of a V-sit in your life. I'm not sure how often you do a V-sit in your life, but you're pretty often like picking something up or carrying something, which means like you better know how to pick stuff up correctly, which is you better know how to brace your lower back and go into a good position. Call this the small dick mentality. When somebody is doing something and you don't like it, just, be facts, just because of the fact that makes you feel inadequate or something so is uh if uh there's a lot of calisthenics guys who are doing weighted pull-ups and they're like shit i'm not doing a weighted squat that's some powerlifting bullshit but a weighted pull-up is a is a is a pull-up and you're just adding weights to the pattern so a squat is also a calisthenics pattern it's a completely natural calisthenics pattern. going to a squat you get back up so if you add start adding some weight like it's i still see it as, as calisthenics like if weighted pull-up is calisthenics, like technically it's not body weight, but it's a calisthenics movement. So if one or pull-up weighted pull-ups are calisthenics, weighted squat is also calisthenics. Fills the gaps and also the enjoyment aspect as well. But I think the problem, we just love putting labels, right, on people. Oh, this is yeah. Dominic. He does free running. No, no, this is Dominic. He does calisthenics, but he, he can't lift weights too, right? That's probably also... Uh, my, was my biggest motive, my biggest inspiration for uh, that label. Yeah, I'm pretty sure if you're right, Dominic Sky, right now on, on Google, it says that I'm a Slovenian YouTuber. And if I die and it says on the fucking internet that I'm a Slovenian YouTuber, I'm gonna jump out of the cast and start shooting people like shit. Because uh, especially with that Jake and Paul type of bullshit and fake boxing. I do not want to die a YouTuber. That like, I've never wanted to be a YouTuber. That's just, I don't like that title. Don't put it on me. Don't like. You made the I'll, first I'll... mistake of Googling yourself, Dominic. I think. <laughs> <laughs> How important is flexibility and mobility, especially for someone that's doing a calisthenics based practice? I think you don't have to do an hour of stretching every day to feel healthy, or you have to use the exercises that involve the great amount of greater amount of range of motion and if you want to oh, this is just such a big freaking topic i do very little flexibility work 
these days, very, extremely little and have been doing the past two years, probably the least amount I've ever been doing because I realize it's not quite so important. Like, for example, if you want to change something, well, shit, it, it takes an incredibly long amount of time and usually it's maybe not even worth it. Yeah. I don't know if you ever try to significantly improve range of motion in any of your joints, but shit, if you take like, let's say an ankle joint to get more dorsiflexion, it's almost impossible. Like, like to get significantly more dorsiflexion. I have a big problem with dorsiflexion because it really limits my ability to do free running. And I was always envious of everybody who's explosive and can put their knee freaking 15 centimeters across their toes. And it's physically impossible for me to go there. And if I spend next 10 years on doing that, I would, it would be a waste of 10 years because I did spend about six years of working on that. That didn't really help. Strength training should be the priority and you should move through a greater range of motion. So it's your strength training that should be specific uh, to develop the mobility. You have to spend very little time stretching. If we're talking about healthy, just being healthy, you don't have to spend, a, you don't have to do a ship of mobility work. You just got to do some proper strength training. That's the perfect answer. I would say the exact same thing because, yeah, I think people hear the term flexibility and they think, oh, I'm going to stretch. So they stretch. And if you yeah. stretch for an hour, an hour and a half, you'll have this temporary increase in your range of motion for a little bit. But mm-hmm. your nervous system doesn't respond to things in such a short term. So as you correctly said, if you want to change anything like an ankle joint or a, a shoulder opening or thoracic extension, it takes time and also intensity. So it's not going to happen mm-hmm. by just purely doing some passive stretching, chilling, being able to have a conversation. No, it's what Dominic just said. It's you got to take your joint and the muscles that are restricting you through a full range of motion and strengthen them. And that's not going to happen overnight. I've never practiced or focused on flexibility since I first started calisthenics in 2009. And I always had, as you said, if you want to have a nice handstand, you've got to have an open spine, open shoulders. Those areas tend to get quite restricted with calisthenics. So when COVID hit, I thought, you know, I'm going to try and do something different. I'm going to focus on some different goals. So I really focused on the back bridge. And I thought, oh, cool. I've got a lot of extra time. Shouldn't take me longer than say, three months, four months, I'll, I'll work on it diligently and I'll get it. Now, it took me, it took me maybe just over one and a half years to get a somewhat respectable back bridge. Yeah. Like if a, if a contortionist saw my back bridge, they'd be like, bro, you look stiff as shit. What are you, what are you, what are you happy about? But I mean, if you look at my before and after progress, I'm pretty proud of it. But the moral of the story is, as you said, there's a huge time commitment and a sacrifice of your energy required to achieve something. So that's why I always give the same answer that you do as well. I think it's a very poor idea to get more flexible just because of the idea of getting more flexible. That I think doesn't work. A lot of people are like, oh, I want to get the middle split. I'm like, why? And, and they think, oh, getting the middle space like healthy or stretching for middle space is, hell- is going to make them more healthier or something like it's not really like if you needed a middle split in your life, you would have had it. So like you really need to decide what you want and what's the reason for it. So I want a middle split right now. 
Why? So I can have a better high kick. So my practice is I do a lot of high kicks. I'm using that mobility. I do some stretching with it. I do some loaded mobility work, but I'm using that range. So Dominic, what's a myth about calisthenics that you believe is incorrect? Unilateral exercises. Not a big fan. I'm a big fan of one on chin-up slash one on pull-up of everything else. Uh, I feel like it's uh, being lazy. <laughs> Interesting. So you wouldn't be as much of a fan of like a, a single arm row compared to just a two arm row. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm not a fan. Like just the, yeah, unilateral stuff, I feel like it's uh, drastically overrated. That's what I'm going to say. I've done very little of it yet. I was able to do one arm pull-ups, military press, 50 kgs with one arm. So what's your argument for people that say that it helps with my imbalances? Oh, I think it makes them bigger. Yeah. I think doing, let's say you're doing the training of one arm chin-up. So my uh, one arm chin-up on my left and right or one arm pull-up, they usually look a little bit different. So let's say my right arm has a bit stronger lat and the forearm, which basically means I'll pull a one arm pull-up more, more like this. On my left arm, the bicep, because it's stronger, because it always is, it's, I pull a little bit more to the side. So let's say just me practicing assisted one arm pull-ups, which are assisted one arm chin-ups, I'm going to have to focus a great deal on trying to pull similar with left and right. Which And as the intensity gets bigger, I'm going to fail because you're going to fail if the intensity is bigger. So it, it makes more sense to do a weighted pull-up and increase intensity and do a symmetrical weighted pull-up and work on your scapula connection like that instead of using a unilateral exercise to try to correct something. And if you want to get your left lat stronger, I think you're going to have a big problem if you focus on working on the left lat. I think it's very difficult to do that. I think that what's most... what it's the biggest bang for your buck. Do an exercise and do it symmetrically. I think that's harder to do than you doing a unilateral exercise. Done. What would you say is the biggest lesson that you've learned this year, man? Well, okay, it probably was this one. I'm not sure if it was this year that I remember this or the last year. And it's a very simple freaking solution, but it's focus on the compound movements more. Isolation is a tricky game. If we play isolation, we can really play it in a... Oh, shit. That's an endless game. Awesome, brother. I think everyone's feeling pretty motivated and inspired after hearing hearing our chat from one of the absolute OGs in the just calisthenics and fitness scene. Where can people find you if they're not following you, Dominic? Uh, you can check out my YouTube or my Instagram, yeah, Dominic Sky. In the future, next year, hopefully you can get some fights in there. So right now I'm still on YouTube kind of with the um, training advices and stuff like that. But in the future, it's going to be some serious, inspiring shit, just like it was back in the day. So I'm going to take my time. I'm like, once I have a couple of fights next year, I'm going to edit some stuff out. So it's going to be some, uh, some good stuff. Yeah. Exciting. Watch this space, everyone. Fitnessfaqs.com to master calisthenics and become a bodyweight pro.